Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor, and if you're listening to this for the first time, then you're lucky, and here's why. Because today is the midpoint of the year. It's Monday, July the 1st, 2019, and what I'd like to do is to sum up some of the highlights from Authentic Influence from the first six months of the year. So if you're brand new here, you're going to get in roughly 30 minutes, maybe a little longer, maybe a little less, what we've done in the past six months to tell the story of how the world's top marketing minds and leading global brands are truly mobilizing the voices and amplifying the voices and stories of their own consumers, their fans, their followers, their individuals. How are they getting one-to-one? Because, again, if you're new, the thesis of this show is the premise that every brand's customers or individuals like you and me who love the brand is ultimately going to be their most authentic form of influence, hence the title of the show. I launched this show in November of 2018. We started off with a few seed episodes, and I have been so fortunate to have talked so far this year with so many incredible people, people who are consistently named some of the most influential CMOs in the world. And I've run the gambit in terms of questions I've asked and subject areas we've covered and topics we've tried. But I've put together here for you a summary of what I think some of the truest and most raw moments are. And what I thought was interesting is that a lot of these moments are sort of off the cuff. They're, they're not necessarily uh, derived from an exact question that I gave. But it's those moments that you know truly were the most authentic for me and I think tell a really important story of where I'd like to guide the show later in the year but also for what I think makes uh, for a really incredible brand story and and CMO story within the frame of this thesis. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it down from from roughly five topics. I'm going to talk about stories of personal experience that have helped to frame and shape who these folks are. We're going to talk about turning values inward and, and, and leveraging employees first to truly embody a brand's message before turning outward. We're going to talk about turning outward and how to become truly representative of customers. We're going to talk about uh, asking yourself hard questions as a brand and as a leader when it comes to, to transformations and change. And then we're going to come back to that super broad topic, authenticity. It's a little cliched. I think everybody probably knows that. Even if you're a longtime listener of the show, it can be a little bit of a, of a cliche. It's admittedly broad. But um, I think we've got some really great insight on why, despite being sort of a cliche, it's still incredibly important. So what I've done is I've put together about 10 clips here, for all, all from different brands. And it'll give you a taste of the kind of folks we talk about too. But hopefully through these rawer moments, you'll be able to see where we'd like to go for the remainder of the year. So let's just jump uh, right into that. We're going to start with stories of personal experiences. There are three so far this year that I've thought uh, were truly remarkable. And it was from United Way, Hallmark, and Levi Strauss. So we're going to start with United Way. I was asking Chief Marketing Officer Lisa Bowman about uh, some of her favorite stories of the millions and millions of stories of people helped uh, by United Way every year. They're the number one nonprofit in the United States. And uh, she gave me an answer that I was not expecting uh, for two reasons. One, because the story is harrowing in and of itself, but also because of what Lisa did in the moment uh, to make the story as opposed to just tell it. So listen in. Well, you know, I think that there are a number of them that come to mind, right? Because all of them are feel-good stories. Clearly, when you're helping somebody and solving a problem, 
or putting somebody on a path to having a better tomorrow. That's always a feel-good story. If I had to pick one thing that really, really stands out to me, um, it's a, a specific interaction that I had with a gentleman by the name of Dion. Um, we were in uh, South Florida shooting one of our TV commercials known as public service announcements. And these are really important because they are the storytelling of the work that United Way does. And one of the things that's very unique about United Way is that we rely exclusively on donated media. So anything you see on TV from us or here on the radio, that's not purchased airtime. Um, that is donated media that's been provided to us by that network to allow us to tell the story. So it's really critical that we've got a high-quality product that's authentic and credible. And I say that because as we were doing our setup, um, it was early in the morning. It was, as I said, in South Florida in January. Um, I headed down there expecting that, you know, it was going to be 80 degrees and beautiful. But it was a chilly day. It was in the early 50s, which for South Florida is cold. And as we were doing the setup, I noticed that there was this really large pile of trash leaned up against a fence that was going to be in the shot. And I walked over to take a look at it to see if it was possible to move it or what we would need to do to sort of get that out of the framing that we were doing. And as I walked over there, I realized that there was a hand sticking out from underneath the pile of trash. Um, my first thought was that, unfortunately, I had just found a body. Um, we were in a, a fairly bad neighborhood um, that was kind of desolate at that time of the morning. And as I stood there debating what I was going to do, the hand started to move, which, of course, completely freaked me out. And I had the realization that there was a person under there who was huddled underneath trash bags and newspapers and, quite frankly, garbage, just trying to stay warm. Um, I began to speak to the gentleman, and, and this gentleman's name is Dion. And as Dion and I talked, and I explained to him that I was with United Way, and the work that we did and, and why we were on that street that day and what we were doing. Um, I, I asked Dion if he would share his story with me and why he was on the street. And Dion began to explain to me that some time ago, uh, he had a job and he had an apartment and everything was fine. Um, he was in a car accident uh, with a couple members of his family and another vehicle. Uh, unclear who was driving or what the circumstances were, but he was the only person that survived the car accident. Combination of a few situations, I think some psychological issues, perhaps survivor's guilt and some mounting medical bills that his insurance didn't cover in full. At fast forward, he lost his apartment, um, lost his job, and ended up on the street. And for me, as I listened to his story, it really struck me um, deep down because how many of us could be in that same situation? It's not a situation that's that far removed, quite frankly, from the realm of possibility of anybody. And as I started to process that, it, I had this epiphany that Dion really is the person for whom United Way fights every day. And here he was standing in front of me. And as I had that moment, I explained again to Dion what we were doing. And I said, Dion, I, I'd like you 
to be in our commercial. Um, I, you know, you are in fact the face of the person that we serve. And would you do that for me? And he looked at me and he said, yes, I can do that. And Dion is in our, our TV commercials. Um, I, it was very important to me because there was a reason. Call it fate, call it luck of the universe, whatever it was. Um, but that morning, the universe tapped me on the shoulder and put Dion in front of me because it was it was that woke moment for me, right? That this is, in fact, the person that we serve. And it was really important to me that we leverage him and leverage his story because it's about credibility and authenticity. And I can't imagine being able to find or portray somebody more credible or authentic than the person that was living that and dealing with that right there in front of me. Really gripping stuff and also really smart to use that situation for good and to turn it into a PSA. I want to talk about Hallmark next. Lindsay has an incredible, Lindsay Roy is the chief marketing officer of Hallmark Cards, a super personal story that has helped to shape her uh, viewpoints on being vulnerable and about bringing forth emotion. Obviously, Hallmark, uh, they are a Hallmark when it comes to being emotional in the product they have. And, and Lindsay's story is no different. In fact, it's it's unique. I think it towers above all of that. So I'm just going to leave the words to her. You know, at Hallmark, to your point, we believe in the power of story and human connection and, and all of those things. And as somebody who is, um, has spent a lot of years at Hallmark, th- those are near and dear to my heart. But to your point, you know, in today's world, you know, we're all human and, you know, we uh, show up at work with our human self still attached. And, you know, um, that is very true for me. And so the, the life defining moment you've mentioned that has really changed, you know, how I show up at work um, happened five years ago. So the short story was um, I had an unexpected tragic uh, event happen when I was on vacation, of all things. Um, I was on vacation and a freak accident happened where I was actually run over by a boat. And my most poetic way to talk about what happened is I uh, danced with the propeller. And from that experience, I was left with um, an amputated leg, um, a severely injured um, other leg, and then some other injuries. And so from that, you know, I went through, like a lot of people do when they have an illness or a traumatic event happen, you know, this long recovery process, both physically and emotionally. And through that, you know, I discovered how important it is um, for people to tell their stories. You know, I talked about the really hard days in, a, in, a, in an open blog. I talked about the triumphs and I found that, you know, it was so connecting um, to, to have that kind of authentic voice. And the other thing I really realized that changes the way I showed up at work every day is truly the power of other people's words and their support and what that can, what that can do to somebody who's really in a challenging time. And so the, the words I got, you know, the, the cards I got in the mailbox, et cetera, Sometimes someone just telling me, you know, I know you can do this, got me to the next day. And so going through that life event, I feel like has even further shaped, you know, who I am in this role. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure how to come out of that story, but it just goes to show you the sort of things that can shape people's experiences and perspectives. And even beyond this story, it kind of teaches you to give people the, the benefit of the doubt, to be kind. And, uh, and to be humane in that way. And as a brand marketer, as, as the head of a business, I mean, there, that's, it's a tragic story, but one that can be really, really influential no matter where you go. 
similar to a conversation I was having with Levi Strauss and the chief marketing officer there, Jen Say. We were talking about bringing your whole self to work. And in this, she notes how writing a book outside of the office helped her to bring more of herself into it. Check it out. Even if you're in a less than optimal situation, find the ways that you can add value that are unique to you. Um, find the ways um, that you can use your unique voice um, to bring value to the organization that you work within. I, I spent many years here not doing that in the way that I think that I could, and I don't think I did my best work. And I, I was afraid to, and I've talked about this a little bit um, in some ways, I was afraid to kind of bring my whole self to work. And I think women face this a lot, right? You don't want to talk about your kids. You don't want to seem like you've got these outside distractions because maybe they will think you're not serious about the work. But ultimately, in 2008, and this was sort of a pivot point for me, I had a book that came out that had nothing to do with work. And so, and it was a memoir. And so everything I am and what I think about, you know, a lot of sort of dark stuff was in the book. And so suddenly I was in the situation where everybody knew kind of a lot about me. Um, and they knew that I had this aspiration to, to write, which I was afraid for people to know, because I thought maybe they wouldn't think I was serious about the job. And it actually had the total opposite effect, which was sort of a greater respect for my creativity, for my voice. And so it kind of allowed me and gave me permission to bring more of myself to work. And I think I've gotten better one, I'm happier, so that's more, that's important, right? Um, but I think as a leader, when you can be more authentic, um, you inspire greater loyalty in a sense, and people feel like they know you, and you, you, you know, more camaraderie is a better word for it. So all three different experiences, but I, I just love getting into people's heads and, and learning about where these leaders come from and some of the experiences that that shape them and how they let that flow through to what they teach to the people that they influence internally as employees. And we're going to go there next. I've got two stories of how brands used employee initiatives to instill values first internally before turning them externally. The first I'll use is from our conversation with MasterCard's chief marketing officer, Raja Raja Manar, when we were talking specifically about being priceless in the transition from storytelling to story making. This has been the priceless journey so far in last year. Uh, to take it to the next level, we launched something called Start Something Priceless. So the transition is from priceless moments to priceless movements. So what we said is that we should actually be a platform that will inspire, encourage, and enable people to start something priceless. Uh, so last year, for example, uh, uh, one of the team members uh, in the company, uh, she started a whole movement uh, called Salsa. S-A-L-S-A. It's all about ALS, bringing awareness and raising funds for ALS. And it's like the ice bucket challenge, uh, And but this is focused on ALS. And she has been able to raise more than $200,000 already, which is very impressive. So when a concept is actually embraced and practiced by your own employees, you know, that is the concept that works very well. So start something priceless is something which I feel very good about. And that's what is the next uh, evolution that we launched last year uh, in our priceless journey. I love these kinds of stories, championing the charitable. And um, as a MasterCard alum, it was especially interesting to hear about that. I had a really interesting conversation with Cisco's chief marketing officer, Karen Walker, on a similar subject. A little more collectively, she was talking about 20 of these types of stories. Here's a clip from that. 
But then also we had employees stand up and tell their stories. We had a competition um, where employees could write in and describe how they are the bridge to their communities or how they are the bridge to the world and how they're changing uh, the planet or lives of millions of people. And what we did is we selected, uh, we were supposed to select 10. We ended up having to choose 20 because they were so good. And we had these employees stand up and talk about how they are the bridge, you know, between, you know, the, the, who was an orphan, a lady who was an orphan in Rwanda, who now is a Cisco employee and has have formed her own uh, charity and how she's going to change the lives of all these other orphans around the world and doing some great good for her home country. When she told that story, just the emotion was just incredible. And so we knew then that we had something that our employees really could connect with because they knew that we were really talking about them and about us in terms of our culture and our values. So I, I don't think we've ever had that level of response for any campaign that we've launched in our history. Um, and, and Chuck has said that too. So again, it's just been just a, a really galvanizing and such a positive moment for our company. From the perspectives of all the CMOs I've heard from this year, I've seen that when you turn inward and make these values known, uh, and foster them inward first, you are truly galvanizing your brand to do excellent things when you turn outward towards your customers. Speaking of turning outwards towards your customers, I'm going to go to clips from two of our most popular, I actually think they're number one and number two, most popular podcasts so far this year when it comes to being representative of your customers. I'm going to start with Foot Locker and Chief Marketing Officer Jed Berger had some really interesting things to say when it comes to how every presence of the Foot Locker brand must be representative of the culture and the customers they serve. We, we definitely feel like we're advocating for our different consumers. And each one of our brands, our banners, our Foot Action, Foot Locker, East Bay Champs, advocates differently for a, a slightly different purpose and builds experiences that emotionally connect on those purposes, right? So where Champs is much more in the sport lifestyle and East Bay is sport performance and Foot Action is much more about the self-expression and the style and Foot Locker is really for the sneaker obsessed. Our banners are tasked to build authentic and connected experiences that emotionally relate to them. And that's both from the product that's both from the products that we create, the way we tell those stories, the social purpose that each one of our banners has, um, which I think is a place that we're trying to formalize and 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 really um, make bigger impact. Whether we feel like that's weighing into conversation socially, or whether that's activations within the community, uh, I think that the the Foot Locker team has done a a great job in the power store that or the community store that I just talked about model where they are um, activating where they're activating locally they're they're giving um, people in they're giving influencers and different creative talents in the markets the opportunity to perform to show their gear to sell their gear um, in Philly we have um, a, a, a brand that we're really empowering called Live Life Nice that's done extremely well. Detroit um, has Detroit versus everybody and, and and a couple and a couple other different brands. So we're giving we're we're trying to to empower the local communities within the lens of um, sneaker and sport culture or at least sneaker and youth culture. 
um, and give them a chance, give them a spotlight and a chance to shine. So it's important for a brand to be representative of customers, but also the realization that the customers themselves are the most authentic type of influence is super important. And so this clip with Chris Davis, who's the VP of Global and Sports Marketing at New Balance, frankly, he's their, he's their CMO, he's their de facto CMO. This was, it's a 60 second clip, but I think it mirrors most closely the thesis of our show. It's one of my favorite little bits from this year so far. I mean, I think peers are the most authentic form of influencer. And in, in terms of the way we speak about influencers now, we're big believers in that every trend creates its opposite. So right now where it's pay to play, where it's advocacy over authenticity, what we're really hoping for is a more humanized approach to influence. And to us, peer-to-peer influence is the most human honest, truthful connection that you can have in the world of influencers. And and, and right now, the, the, the transparency and the advocacy of, of quote-unquote influencers is, is starting to become old and consumers are seeing through it. And I think that's great news for us because we never believed in this platform and, and this tactic really in the first place. Chris's point here is really important. When you are in a place where your customers are driving the message just as you would and that alignment is there, the brand is up to something really, really special because, again, they are the best type of influence you can have and you want to make sure those messages are streamlined. Now, there are some folks that I've talked to so far this year who have admitted that they have needed to go through brand transformations in order to get closer to that. And I found one such story uh, from a person I wasn't necessarily expecting to hear it from. I was talking to Emily Callahan, the chief marketing officer of ALSAC, which is the fundraising and awareness organization for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Specifically, she's the first CMO there. And I was asking her what it was like for the team to sort of bring her in, what the reaction was, what the reception was, and what she did to start to evolve the brand. And in talking about research and in talking about things to change and relying on prior perceptions from her past, uh, this was, I think, one of the most unexpected answers I had. I'll just let you listen. That wasn't where we started, and so I would say the most important first step I took, in addition to kind of meeting the people, understanding what we had here, was we needed to do research. They had done brand research in the past, but it was really probably more to validate what they had hoped to hear, not really doing comprehensive research to understand how people perceived the organization and really digging into what motivated them to give. And so I I always advise people to start with research always and ask yourselves really tough questions and then listen to the answers even when you don't like them. And that's something similar I had done at Coleman as well, where the research showed that they were perceived as a bunch of white ladies who lunch. Here we found that we were very confusing and we were actually harming the brand, not helping it by trying to put too many things to the public. So that research enabled us to then have strong data to help clean up the brand here, to have a much more consistent approach and really lean into the assets that we had that people could understand and found motivating. Then we realized what we said was really complicated and also not differentiating. So we did a tremendous amount of work to get our message right even breaking the conventional rules of communication that say, say less. We had to say a little bit more because the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital business model is not like any in the world. So, for example, we used to say no child turned away due to an inability to pay. 
Well, that's really true at any hospital and others can use it, but they mean if you show up in their emergency room, they have to take care of you. But when it comes time for three years of treatment for leukemia, for example, and insurance doesn't want to pay for some of those things and the bills are extraordinary, it's a whole different story. Then they're asking you to find that money. So we had to really spend some time and say what we mean here is that no family ever receives a bill from St. Jude, that we pay for treatment and travel and housing or food. And then we learned in research that people thought, well, that's nice, but we forgot the so what or the why. What was motivating was the reason we do that is because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. Emily gave a really honest perspective on this. I wasn't expecting it from a nonprofit, perhaps foolishly, because I just wasn't thinking about it in that perspective. But every brand, no matter whether your end goal is consumption or a cause, uh, needs to be aligned and simplified. And if that requires transformation, it requires transformation. And there's no reason not to be stark with yourself about how to do that. Because at the end of the day, authenticity matters. Now, this is a super broad topic. I know I said it at the top of the episode. And in my most recent conversation with General Electric Chief Marketing Officer Linda Boff, that was made very clear, is that this is somewhat of a cliched topic. In fact, she calls it the A word. But she mentions, and I think this is a nice place to round it off, why it's still so important, how consumers are becoming smarter and more skeptical and more distrustful, and why it's so important to be true. Listen in. You know, I mentioned before the the A word, and and, um, it's so overused to talk about being authentic, and yet it's so important because I think the level of savviness when everybody is a citizen – uh, journalist, citizen, media person. We're all putting content into the world. Now, it may not all be good content, but we're all putting content into the world. So, you know, you, you, we have a, a very savvy audience, um, a set of audiences. And I think when you misstep, when you're, you use the word tone deaf before, when you're tone deaf, when you're dopey, um, when you're not true as a brand, to who you are, your DNA, the soul of a company, wow, you can misstep really fast. And, you know, we've had uh, 127 years to to build our brand and reputation. Uh, we never take it for granted. We know that, you know, that's that's our, our deposits in the bank. And, you know, it doesn't take much to, to you know, for, the, for those withdrawals to, to happen. So I think knowing who you are um, is just so vital. And, um, uh, and finding, fighting for, as marketers, um, a couple things, fighting for that voice, fighting for um, the, um, the knowledge of what the end consumer, your audience is looking for, and making sure that you're connecting those dots between, you know, your DNA and what your audience expects of you. I, I think that's, you know... Is, is that today or is that age old? I, I guess I'd say it's kind of both. To rally off of Linda's point, I think this question is going to become age old. Over the last six months, I have seen so much interest spike when it comes to being authentic, when it comes to being purpose-driven, all of this stuff. And I think it's only going to become more important from here. I've personally just seen it in the last, oh, probably year. But in the last six months, really, it has ramped up. So what I'm hoping to do for the last six months of 2019 
is to elicit more of these types of moments. Learn more about how people really think and the experiences they've had. Learn how they're actually instilling these values internally, how they're forcing people to become representative of their customers externally. Uh, Hard questions they're asking themselves to transform a brand and ultimately why being genuine and as one-to-one as possible is super important. So I'll leave it there. If you are a fan of what you've heard, you should, you should tune in. Subscribe to this show wherever you listen. Some people do iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. You can go to podcast.vavoon.co, do that. Then let me know what you think. Most people do this through leaving a review and a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you want to do it a little more privately, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm at Adam Connor. And you can also email me, adam.connor at govavoom.com. The most important thing there is that uh, my last name is with an E-R. Adam Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R. So adam.connor at govavoom.com. I will reach out and respond to every message that I get. For now, it's been a privilege to uh, give these perspectives over the first six months, and I can't wait to see what the back half of the year has to come. And in two weeks' time, I'm going to give you another story just like that, another great marketing mind, another top-leading global brand. We're going to learn how they're mobilizing the individual. And until then, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and for Authentic Influence, thanks for listening, and you'll hear from me again next time.